millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Farm Talk with John O'Connor with Dairy Gold Heifer Rear Cube, a trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. Hello and welcome to this week's Farm Talk. I'm Barry O'Mahony. On the programme, we continue our weekly look at the world of agriculture and food. ICSA says beef farmers are getting frustrated at the lack of progress being made by the Beef Task Force. Migrant Rights Centre Ireland says results of a survey cast a poor light on the meat industry, but not so, says Meat Industry Ireland. New measures are to be introduced to implement the European Union Good Agricultural Practice for Protection of Waters Regulation. Tagusk held its dairy conference online this week and launched the Dairy Roadmap. And we find out more about the No Dig Market Farm, which is taking shape outside McCroom. Farm Talk's John O'Connor will look at other stories making the agri news this week. Farm Talk on C103. Cattle and sheep farmers want the Beef Task Force to take action on the stagnant price of meat in Ireland. ICSA says there's a gap in the price of a kilo by around 60 cent compared with here and the UK. It's added that Brexit is a potential catastrophe for all farming sectors if there is no deal. The beef chair, Edmund Graham, says beef farmers are getting more frustrated that the task force hasn't delivered fast enough. Yeah, the ICSA are very concerned about the beef task force. Uh, we just feel there's not enough happening. Prices across the UK and Northern Ireland and indeed Europe and even further afield in Brazil and uh, all those South American countries, uh, the price of beef is uh, striving ahead. And here in Ireland, we see prices flat, uh, no movement in price at all. Factories very reluctant to give farmers any more. The price of an R3 grade uh, steer compared the Irish price compared to the UK price, Irish prices are lagging now 60% a kilo behind UK prices, which is even far greater than it was when the beef protests were going on last year. So we think farmers are working below the cost of production, and we've done it now for a long time. We need to get rewarded. We need to get paid for what we're producing. We're calling on the task force to get a move on, see what can be done about this. We're just not happy with the the state of play at the minute, so we want to move on with the beef task force to discuss these issues. Are you afraid that Brexit might make these challenges even worse? We're now, what, about a month away from a potential catastrophe there? Well, that's it. We're just over a month away uh, from that. We have the government telling businesses uh, to be prepared for Brexit. Farmers, primary producers are getting no help whatsoever. We have the state bodies in this country, Chagas, Bordbia, and to an extent the uh, Beef Task Force, and there's no talk about Brexit at all. 
and there's no help out there for primary reducers. We don't know what to do. When you're in the farm and circles uh, producing our material, it takes between a year or 18 months, up to two years to produce something. So we can't plan ahead. Like, And in a few weeks' time, the whole thing could just um, go pear-shaped and farmers would be left with nowhere to go for our produce. And currently, uh, per year, there's roughly 250,000 tonne of beef going across the water into the UK. And if tariffs were imposed on that beef, um, farmers are very afraid that um, it'll price us out of the market and we'll have no place to go with our produce. So the only other option is to go to um, Europe with our beef. And then the problem is, how do we get it to Europe if there's um, no means of passage or difficulties in exporting our beef? So there is major problems and uh, we need these issues thrashed out at the um, Beef Task Force. ICSA Beef Chair Edmund Graham there talking to reporter Tom Douglas. Cork farmers are being encouraged to apply for the new EU €8 billion Euro COVID-19 recovery fund. And the South MEP Billy Kelleher says the exact amount for each member state is being calculated at present. Distribution of the fund will be front-loaded in 2021. And Billy Kelleher says funds need to be distributed as soon as possible when the need is greatest. Some of the broad criteria for the fund include environment and climate-related actions such as organic farming and animal welfare, as well as young farmer startups and on-farm investments that contribute to a resilient, sustainable and digital recovery. Some technical amendments are required, but it's expected these will be adopted by mid-December. Guidance will be issued by the Department of Agriculture that will allow for applications from Irish farmers in early 2021. 60% of staff in meat processing factories say they've been injured at work. According to a survey this week released by the Migrant Rights Centre Ireland, nearly two-thirds of workers said they didn't get enough training before they began their jobs. The research comes on the back of nearly 1,800 COVID cases in meat factories throughout the pandemic. Breed McKeown of Migrant Rights Centre Ireland says the survey casts a very poor light on the industry. Our research shows that it's a sector that is essentially putting profit before the health and safety of workers. Workers tell us that they are working to dangerously high production levels, that they feel under pressure to work at unreasonable and unsafe speeds, and that despite staff shortages during COVID or during holiday times, the production rates have actually met being on the par with 2018 levels. We heard from workers from 13 different counties. 80% of them work at the large factories, 10% at smaller factories and 10% are agency workers. Um, And what we hear is time and time again, these workplaces are rife with bullying and discrimination. The people are shouted at, they're cursed at, humiliated, constantly belittled and, and disrespected and just essentially treated as disposable. Meat Industry Ireland strongly refuted the claims made by the Migrant Rights Centre Ireland regarding the health and safety practices in the meat sector. In a statement on Wednesday, MII said, Meat Industry Ireland, representing primary meat processor companies, strongly refutes the claims made by MRCI in relation to employment and health and safety practices. Were such practices to exist, we would expect and encourage them to be reported to the proper authorities. The primary meat processing sector is highly regulated and subject to the full rigours of employment law, with meat plants regularly inspected by officials from the Workplace Relations Commission and the Health and Safety Authority, which has legislative powers to intervene. The findings of multiple inspections by the HSA across the industry in recent times do not support the allegations made by MCRI. All employees in the sector, regardless of nationality, 
are protected by the same Irish Employment and Health and Safety Legislation, MII stated. The number of sheep slaughtered fell by nearly 8% last month compared with the same time last year. For cattle, there was a decrease of nearly 6%, but pig slaughterings rose by 2%. Marts have been forced to operate online only during the Level 5 COVID-19 restrictions. About 1,200 organic farmers are to share 5.5 million euro under the OFS Organic Farming Scheme. The announcement was made by the Minister of State in the Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Senator Pippa Hackett, in recent days. Minister of State uh, Pippa Hackett uh, said she was delighted to confirm that advance payments to these 1,200 farmers under the Organic Farming Scheme had commenced and this was two weeks ahead of schedule and earlier than last year. She went on to say that the Organic Farming Scheme had been a huge success in terms of achieving its targets and had resulted in an increase of nearly 50% of the hectare under organic production since the start of the scheme back in 2014. She said the additional €4 million provided in the budget allowed the government to reopen a new organic farming scheme in 2021 to new entrants. This would support 400 to 500 more entrants to go organic. The demand from consumers and indeed farmers towards organic production, she said, was growing both at home and abroad. Organic farming also supports more nature-friendly farming practices and reduce emissions, which would also help to meet our climate and biodiversity targets as set out by the European Union. Minister of State Hackett said she expected to be making further announcements regarding the reopening of the scheme in the near future. But she was pleased to be able to guarantee another year in the scheme for current participants, thanks to the significant increase in the department's organic budget for 2021. This extension is currently with the European Commission for approval and the scheme participants will be hearing from the government in early December on how to confirm their participation for another year in the OFS Organic Farming Scheme. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. New measures are to be introduced to implement the European Union Good Agricultural Practice for Protection of Water Regulations 2020. John O'Connor joins me to elaborate on this. The Minister for Housing, Planning and Local Government, Dara O'Brien TD, and the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConlogue, have announced the introduction of a requirement in relation to liming, also the use of low-emission slurry spreading, LESS technology, and also the reduction of crude protein in concentrates on those farms which are over 170 kg organic nitrogen per hectare and who are currently not availing of the nitrates derogation. And John, will certain farmers in derogation, for example, be exempt from the new measures? These regulations apply the same requirements to all farmers over 170 kg organic nitrogen per hectare. It's been pointed out by the ministers that this is an important step up in the contribution of these farmers to supporting water quality. The ministers say the measures provide farmers with the opportunity to improve their environmental footprint while improving and protecting water quality. And when will the new measures be implemented? Well, following discussions between both ministers, this suite of measures will be brought in on 1st of January 2021. However, the introduction of the requirement to less that slow emission slurry spreading technology for farmers over 170 kgs of organic nitrogen per hectare 
will be brought in for 15th of April 2021. The current requirement to use less technology on nitrates-approved irrigation farms remains in place, where all slurry applied during 2021 must be applied by this low-emission slurry spreading, LESS. And you referred a few times to low-emission slurry spreading technology as contributing to water quality. The LESS method has another very important impact on the environment. Low-emission slurry spreading and the replacement of urea with protected urea accounts for 80% of the potential reduction of ammonia in the atmosphere and the environment in general. After ammonia is lost to the atmosphere, much of it is redeposited and habitat where it lodges can be subject to severe damage. Human health can be damaged by the minuscule ammonia particles when these are inhaled. And what are the sources of ammonia? Well, referring to Chagas figures, uh, Chagas figures show 47% from animal housing, manure management and storage, 30% from spreading manure, 12.3% from grazing, but ammonia generation from grazing is relatively low compared to when animals are housed. Finally, Chagas estimate the final 10.6% of the ammonia loss comes from the application of chemical nitrogen. And globally, not just in Ireland and the farming community, there's a deepening concern about water quality. While we certainly are increasingly concerned about water quality, whether it's ubiquitous plastic particles in water or the impact of human activity in general, at least in the field of agriculture, the implementation of the European Union Nitrate Action Programme or plan plays an increasingly important role in monitoring water quality in agricultural catchment areas. And the implementation of the new measures in the European Union Regulations 2020 is all the more important if the farming community is to play its part in the protecting and our restoring water quality. I agree totally, Barry. And it's being mooted that measures may be sought by EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, to limit the number of cows per hectare, a new cow quota to replace the long-gone EU milk quota. But that's being watched closely by the farming organisations. It's certainly being talked about. We can say that much. The Chagas 2027 sectoral roadmap was launched this week at the virtual dairy conference held over two days on Tuesday and Wednesday. Chair of the Authority, Liam Herlihy, said in looking to the future, it's inevitable that changes and challenges will occur and dairy farmers must embrace change. Ireland has to meet a binding agreement to reduce greenhouse gases and ammonia emission and there's an opportunity for dairy farmers to adopt new technologies to reduce emissions. The Chagask roadmap illustrates that it can be achieved. Dr Brendan Horan, Chagask Moor Park, spoke at the virtual conference on Wednesday, saying that huge change is necessary in increasing sustainability as part of the contribution to climate action targets within the dairy sector. Dr Horan gave participants a flavour of what's contained in the dairy roadmap. Just I suppose in terms of the roadmap, this is the fourth iteration of the Chagas roadmap. It's a hugely significant document for us among our most important publications, as it sets out our vision for the dairy sector through to 2027. In terms of the characteristics of that roadmap, it's very much about supporting profitable, competitive dairy farming um, among those 17,500 dairy farmers, that it meets our, I suppose, our increasing uh, criteria in terms of pasture-based milk production informed by the best science, and also allows the sector to meet its commitments, be it in terms of water quality emissions, or biodiversity and so on. So I suppose this is a really, really important uh, uh, 
clear vision for us in terms of how we see dairy evolving over the next period. L looking at research in other countries, they're always very envious of this roadmap because it's, it's a really unified position from the industry about our achievements and what we intend to achieve over the period. Looking to the details then of the roadmap, probably I suppose the, the headline issue is around emissions intensity, that we intend to reduce emissions intensity by 15% between 2019 and 2027. That's going to be reducing from 1.13 kilos of CO2 equivalent down to 0.96 of a kilo of CO2 equivalent. Probably just to put that in context then, that's approximately 65% of the EU average in terms of emissions intensity. So a very low level in, a, in I suppose, advanced in, in agricultural economies in Europe. It's a third of the global average in terms of milk production intensity. And in terms of some of the markets we supply, it could be as little as one-sixth to one-seventh of the emissions intensity of product produced in those markets. So it's a really ambitious, I suppose, targets for the dairy sector in terms of reducing emissions. Looking to, I suppose, the technologies then that are underpinning that, I suppose they fall into two categories. We've seen lots of improvements already in terms of pasture-based dairy systems in Ireland, and that's the basis for our strong credentials for sustainable agriculture, high-quality, low-emissions products. So that's based on things like increasing productivity of animals. We're going to see animal productivity per cow increase by about 12% up to 2027. That's already happening on farms based on improved genetics, so EBI lifting by about €6 Euros per year. Again, that's continuing the progress that has been made at farm level. Increased focus on grazed grass utilisation, so better soil fertility, growing and utilising more grass in our farms, an extra tonne of dry matter utilised on farms over the next period. Again, that's building on that achieved over the last 10-year period. I suppose it's the improved genetics also is about more compactness, more efficient grazing systems, so lifting calving rates in the six-week calving period in springtime by about 1.5% per year. So further improvements in the technologies that farmers are already improving in. So that's the basis for, I suppose, the progress we're making. Dr. Brendan Horne and Chagas Park, speaking about the Chagas 2027 sectoral roadmap launched at the virtual dairy conference held over two days this week. There has been a call for a new investment ceiling to be applied to TAM's applications from 1st of January 2021, which will allow farmers further develop the sustainability of their enterprises. Mr Dennis Rennan, chairperson of the ICMSA Farm and Rural Affairs Committee, said that current ceilings had been set since 2014 and in that period there had been unprecedented investment by farmers. The sector incorporated the abolition of milk quotas and there has been greater focus on environmental issues in that period. Mr Drennan said that the current cap programming period comes to an end at December 31st, 2020. The decision by Minister McConnell to continue with TAMs into next year, 21, was a welcome development. However, he said, a looming problem would be the precedent that a new investment ceiling is announced at the start of each CAP programming period. The reality is, he said, for many farmers, they've reached the maximum investment ceiling for grant aid in the 2014 to 20 period inclusive, and many still have investment requirements on their farms. He said the delay in finalising cap, where we are now looking at 2023 as being the official new cap commencement year, would mean a really damaging break in the momentum the TAMs had successfully built up. And, he contended, it was certainly not the fault of Irish farmers that it was going to take an extra two years to get the next cap programme agreed and it's desperately unfair, he said, that badly needed grant aid would be unavailable till then. 
He said the ICMSA is proposing that TAM's applications after 1st of January next year should have a new investment ceiling applied and that grants aid received between 2014 and 2020 should have no impact on an individual farmer's eligibility for grant aid. If implemented, such a proposal would ensure that farmers could continue to invest in environmental investments on their farms and would also provide a badly needed boost into the wider rural economy. And that statement, a part of a statement there, from Mr Dennis Drennan, chairperson of the ICMSA National Farm and Rural Affairs Committee. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Next on Farm Talk, our weekly Tagusk Advisory. Joining me this week is Gráinne Hurley, who's been working for the last two years on the Dairy Gold Tagusk Joint Programme. In the first of two parts, Gráinne tells us a bit about the current programme and its participants. So the Dairy Gold Joint Programme uh, is a collaboration of Dairy Gold and Tagus, who uh, work together to, I suppose, disseminate research and knowledge that uh, we gain through the research centres, um, but also knowledge we gain from our own Demonstration farmers and this knowledge is passed on to the just over 2,800 dairy gold suppliers. This knowledge transfer is done through the discussion groups, through farm walks and also through media outlets, through social media and also any articles that are written. Two of my colleagues on the programme, John McCabe and William Burchill, they facilitate up to 60 discussion groups in the dairy gold region. And John McCarthy, he works with the programme, he works with 30 farmers in the Soil Sustainability Programme. So he, he's soil sampling these 30 farms each year and he looks at the effect, I suppose, of his advice in terms of improving the soil fertility and how that has a knock-on effect in terms of grass production on these farms. I myself, I'm working closely currently with the nine dairy gold dairy farmers who are the demonstration farmers and they've been in the programme for, since 2018. So these nine farmers are spread across the dairy gold region um, and each of the nine farmers, they each have a specific focus on their farm all the while, uh, these farmers in the programme still have a strong focus uh, also on improving sustainability, be it the environmental, uh, the labour, the social sustainability, and then the profitability of the farms. So we have two managed farmers here in West Cork. Um, 
We have John Galvin, who is the grass focus farmer. Uh, he's milking about 105 cows uh, near the Menway. And we have Jimmy Cotter, who is from Coachford, and he's milking 115 cows, and he's a labour-efficient focus farmer. Then we have Tom O'Connell. He's based near Inniscarra, down near Blarney, and he's the labour management focus farmer. He's making 320 cows. We have David, Linda and Roy Dean, uh, their family partnership, and they um, are on a 100% lease dairy farm, and that's their focus, and that's outside Donnerail. They're milking they milk about 250 cows this year. Sean Moher, he's uh, milking about 92 cows down near Mitchtown, and he's a particular focus on lean practices. We have Pat Mulcahy down in Killa East Cork, milking about 110 cows, uh, and he's our high-input grass-based folks farmer. John Walsh down in Bellalubi, County Tiberi, he's our hardtail folks farmer, and he's milking 130 cows. We have Sean Barry, uh, he's our heavy soils, fragmented farm, monish farmer. He's outside Palace Green, County Limerick, milking 70 cows. And then finally, we have Mark Lonigan, He's up near Cashel and he's making 110 cows and he's the breeding focus farmer. So this is the third year these farmers have been in this programme. We normally hold annual uh, outdoor farm walks on each of these farms each year, but obviously COVID scuppered most of these plans we had for this year. Um, we did have an event on Sean Moher's farm in Mitchestown back in January and the focus of that walk was to look at the lean practicing practices that Sean is practicing his farm and also we, in conjunction with Animal Health Ireland, we had a calf care event on the farm as well. We also held an outdoor farm walk on the farm of Pat Mulcahy in Killa in early March on spring grazing and looked at sustainability on his system and that was just for the COVID unfortunately locked, locked us down. Um, and we've held one other farm event and that was our first online um, farm event on the farm of Jimmy Cotter in September and that was looking at sustainability of his farm. It's very comprehensive. Is it the plan to continue and to try and grow it further? Yes, Barry. So we've been in the programme a good number of years and generally the, the monitor farmers in the programme, they stay within a three or four year period. Um, we're, the joint programme is going to move direction now. It's going to move into a new programme, which will be in conjunction with the administration programme called a signpost programme, which will have a lot more focus on um, sustainability, especially, I suppose, in terms of the whole nitrogen and carbon emissions of the farm and look at the carbon footprint the farm is going forward. So definitely, I think that the, it's a very successful programme because we're getting great messages out to farmers. I think even within, we're seeing even with discussion groups, like myself and my colleagues are working with lots of discussion groups. And, you know, even over a short period of time, the last two, three, four years, you know, we're seeing a big uptake of all these technologies we spoke about. The protected urea, I think nationally we're using about 10% protected urea now in the country. Um, we're seeing a big uptake of the low emission spreading, sorry. We're seeing farmers are getting more um, adapted technology such as the clover and this. So again, we're seeing that level on the ground for farmers are definitely moving in the right direction. Um, and we're seeing that, again, these messages are getting out across these groups. Thanks, Gráinne. And on Wednesday night, we'll continue the discussion with Gráinne Hurley, focusing on sustainability and how this is being achieved across the joint programme. 32 drinking water supplies have had above the allowed limit of pesticides this year. Irish Water conducted nearly 24,000 tests in 2020 and there were 81 individual failures across several different counties. A common ingredient in weed killer was regularly detected. The Environmental Protection Agency took enforcement action each time but found there was no risk to people's health. 
Dr. Michelle Minahan of the EPA, says pesticides can get into water in many different ways. People will use pesticide on their land, mainly agricultural, but it could also be domestic use, for example. They'll either spray it or they'll um, pesticides when sprayed on the land. There can be runoff of that pesticide. A lot of pesticides are actually water-soluble, and that means they dissolve in water, and they like, when they interact with water, they get into the water supply quite quickly. Protecting and maintaining water quality in Ireland will be reinforced by the current Nitrates Action Programme, due to expire at the end of 2021, and a new Nitrates Action Programme to be published at the beginning of 2022, that programme to remain in place until 2025. Ireland's Nitrates Action Programme, NEP, gives effect to the European Union's Nitrates Directive here. The European Union Good Agricultural Practices for Protection of Waters Regulations 2017, commonly referred to as the Nitrates Regulations, contain specific measures to protect surface waters and groundwater from nutrient pollution arising from agricultural sources. The regulations expire at the end of next year, 2021, and public consultation on this EU directive has now been opened by the Minister for Housing, Local Government and Heritage, Dara O'Brien TD, and the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnellogue TD. The closing date for a seat of public consultation responses on the next EU Nitrates Directive programme will be 15th of January 2021. Further details from the following website www.agriculture.gov.ie, all lowercase, or the phone number 016072802. That's 016072802. The Department of Agriculture, Food and the Marine. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Farm Talk on C103. Uber Premium Irish Cream Liqueur Five Farms is now the fastest growing new Irish drinks brand in the US, following record sales over the past 12 months with year-on-year growth of 87%. Securing top spot coincides with the launch into the UK market with the prestigious Harrods of London, securing rights to sell the brand there. Five Arrows Irish Cream Liqueur is a joint Irish-US venture between the long-established McCormick's Distilling Company in Western Missouri and Irish whiskey veteran Johnny Hart. Entirely sourced and produced in County Cork, Five Farms is the first genuine farm-to-table Irish cream liqueur. It's crafted from single batches of fresh cream sourced in five family-run farms in Cork, blended with premium triple-distilled Irish whisky. The race is on to become the next national president of the ICSA, with two candidates in the running following the conclusion of the formal nomination process. The candidates are Dermot Kelleher, a suckler farmer from Inchigila in West Cork, currently ICSA Munster Vice President, and Sean McNamara from County Westmeath, a sheep, beef and suckler farmer, from Liz McCaffrey. He's currently the ICSA Sheep Chair. Due to COVID, the election will take place by postal vote to be counted at a special meeting of the ICSA to be held on Thursday, December 17th. And the new president will succeed Edmund Phelan, whose tenure will come to an end in January 2021. A Cork florist is hoping to expand his newly formed business of growing fruit and vegetables using methods that are environmentally friendly. Brian McCarthy and his partner Thai developed the first rooftop farm in the city centre, now supplying produce to local restaurants and others. He's now creating a no-dig market farm outside McCroom, and he's been explaining the concept to Farm Talk. We're about five miles from McCroom, six miles from Coachford, 
uh, in a place called Leheran Dairy Farm. Cork Rooftop Farm is after renting a half acre plot out here. So we're currently starting our no-dig market garden. So a market garden is basically a, a garden growing vegetables and fruit and herbs for for market, for for people to eat. No dig is referring to the, the methodology that we're, 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 we're approaching with. So we're not tilling the soil, we're not ploughing, we're not turning the soil. We're, we're putting down an awful lot of organic matter now to form our permanent beds. So we're putting down wood chip pathways about four inches deep and then we're forming the permanent beds with really, really good quality organic compost, about six inches of, of good quality organic compost and we'll be planting into those then in, in the spring. Last weekend we started uh, creating the, the, the permanent raised beds and they're pretty laborious work to get through and last weekend was horrendous weather but it's it's fulfilling to see it coming along now anyway, you know. What's um, the benefits to having a no-dig garden yeah. like this? There's a, there's a number of benefits, I suppose. Um, when you till the soil or when you plough, you're exposing soil you're exposing carbon to oxygen and the molecules bond with each other form co2 which is as we know not good for the atmosphere currently um so by using this methodology we're not exposing topsoil or soil to 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 open air we're, we're constantly keeping a layer of either planting or organic matter covering the soil uh which which is which is both feeding the soil web and is uh, it's not detrimental to the, the environment by, by tilling. So it's kind of a contentious issue at the moment about ploughing and the best way to move forward in that. So we've taken this approach. This is what uh, we're very much trying to approach things in a regenerative manner. So we're trying to build soil. We're trying to build an ecosystem out here. We don't want to take away. So market gardens, by their very nature, are very nutrient intensive. They need a lot of of feeding you know you're planting lots of annual plants which really need a lot of food so we'll be adding organic matter down to them every year after we've formed the market garden to kind of replenish it and being out on a farm there's no shortage of fresh organic matter from the dairy herd that Ger Buckley has out here again we're kind of utilizing as well resources on our doorstep which similar to what we've done in the rooftop farm we're trying to utilise what's what's on our doorstep, doing the same out here. Is it a fairly unique concept here in Ireland and one that could be uh, copied all across the country? Yeah, I mean, no dig market gardening. I suppose there's a few pioneers of it. There'll be Charles Dowding in the UK, we very um, well known. Um, Richard Perkins is the, the man that I learnt, learnt it from in, in, uh, in Sweden. Um, but... I think the approach is becoming more and more adopted and more and more well-known, maybe on a uh, homestead level, but not so much on a commercial level where people need to grow you know, vast quantities of food. Um, so what we're doing here is going to be very intensive. So we, we have a half-acre uh, plot and we'll have about 1,300 metres squared of growing space. But out of that, we, we intend on churning out quite a vast volume of produce um and will you be selling that around locally to different restaurants and whoever wants it really? so the approach we've taken with uh, the market garden is we're we're starting a thing called a csa it stands for community supported agriculture so it was developed in the 1960s in japan so basically we ask people to subscribe to our farm so they buy a share in the farm's output 
and they do that at the start of the season. So all of our uh, outgoings and costs happen at the start of the season. Uh, we need to buy compost, we need to buy seed, we need to invest in infrastructure, tools. So we're asking people to subscribe to our, our farm and in return they'll get a weekly subscription of, uh, it's like a veg box basically. Okay. Uh, so people will either be able to get it on a weekly basis or a bi-weekly basis depending on the share. So they can subscribe to that on corkrooftopfarm.ie. You haven't got a farming background um, and pre-COVID you were just a florist in the city centre and since COVID now you've had the, the rooftop garden which mm-hmm. or the rooftop farm which is going really well and yeah. now you have this as well. Yeah, so my uh, workload seems to be getting <laughs> infinitely larger but there's still only 24 hours in a day but I think as we progress with the rooftop farm so we were, we received in our grow towers there about a week and a half ago we just started planting them up uh, last yesterday evening actually um, that's going to allow us to grow, you know, four and a half thousand plants in an 80 metre squared zone inside our greenhouse. They really require very little input and maintenance. The most that needs to be done there, the most time intensive thing is, is harvesting. It's just uh, mild monitoring then after that and keeping the successions of planting going. Um, and then we have the raised beds as well around, which also are... You know, the volume is not huge, so the input in terms of, terms of time is is manageable. So um, what we've, we've taken on this market garden because we feel we want to get involved also in maybe more uh, traditional soil-based agriculture. Um, on the rooftop farm, we're limited in what we can physically do, mm. um, both by the infrastructure of the roof and, you know, space-wise um, and, and what's... You know, economically practical for us to do as well. So, this really is a goal of ours to 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 show people what can be done on a half acre site as well in a no dig manner. And I think the people who subscribe and who reap the rewards of the the produce will be pleasantly surprised by what we we turn out. You know, Brian McCarthy speaking to C one hundred and three senior news reporter Fiona Corcoran, and best of luck with the no dig market farm there. That's outside McCroom. Well, when life gives you lemons, what do you do? Shandun Mokra came up with a novel way to fundraise for Marymount Hospice. And Murray Tuhig has been finding out more for Farm Talk. It's like one of the trials, you know, and um, I'm... I'm here to do the Bite Lemon Challenge for Marymount Hospice. I'm here to do the Bite Lemon Challenge for Marymount Hospice. Okay, let's give us a go. Oh, God. It's only for a bit of crack, a bit of a laugh, raise a bit of money for charity during these COVID times. And I says, hopefully get a laugh out of the reactions out of people when they're taking a bite out of lemons. So I want to give it a go there now. The Zest. Simply the Zest. Shanti and Mocker want people to squeeze the day and get involved with their Bite 11 Challenge, which is raising funds for Marymount. Here's Shanti and Chairperson Seamus Reid. We always run fundraising around Christmas time through pub quizzes and stuff like this, but um, due to COVID, we couldn't organise any events, so we said we'd run something online, and um, we came up with the idea of the Bite 11 Challenge. We said we'd have Marymount Hospice as the charity. Every bite out of a lemon you get, you get to nominate someone. And it just kind of spread and it, it seems to be going away at the moment. And we're raising a nice bit of money for Marymount. And it's a bit of crack at the same time. You get good reaction from people's faces, biting the lemons and 
you know, put a bit of a smile on people's faces this time of year, you know. Macra National President Thomas Duffy has been nominated for the challenge. I don't know. I'm going to check it out. I, I find it hard to keep track of everyone who has it done, but we can, we, we can call them out here. This is Thomas Duffy, if you don't have it done, we, we'll be putting pressure on you to get it done soon, Thomas. And uh, Seamus, is there anyone else you'd like to have a go? Me, Hall Martin, would be a good start, I suppose, wouldn't be. <laughs> And I suppose, you know, all of this, and it's all great crack and it's lovely to see it on social media, but it's for like a wonderful cause for Marymount. I don't think there's a person in Cork or probably across the country that doesn't know of the amazing work Marymount do. And why was Marymount chosen? I suppose when we were at the meeting, there was a couple of charity names for Bounce Dolphy children. We decided to go with Marymount because they are offering a lot of not getting much fundraising done at the moment due to the whole restrictions and they are a charity that are very close to a lot of people in Cork nearly every family knows someone or had a relative that they looked after you know so they they do great work up there and you know it's great to support them and I think it's, it's a charity that's close to a lot of people's hearts you know and during our chat, I also asked Seamus about how Makra has adapted under the current circumstances. We had to move everything onto, online with Zoom. We're, we're still holding some of the competitions online. We had beef stock judging there a couple of weeks ago now and they held the national final. There was, there was nearly representation from every county in the region on the national final. Um, we're running debating competitions online. And then just we have to run plenty of kind of just social things, just to keep, you know, with the quizzes and different things online like that. I know there's a lot of scavenger hunts going on doing just uh, just trying to keep people interested. But hopefully, you know, in the new year that things will be back to normal from bit anyway, you know. But it was just we're keeping the activity going. We don't want the organisation to come to a standstill either, you know. Anyone who would like to donate to the Bite a Lemon Challenge for Marymount can visit Shandy and Makra Facebook page for the link. You can count on me like one, two, three, I'll be there. The Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine, Charlie McConnell, TD, and Minister of State of the Department, Martin Hayden, TD, have both welcomed news that the written procedure for concluding the agreement between the European Union and the Government of the People's Republic of China on cooperation on and protection of Geographical indications have now been completed after all delegations voted in favour of the adoption of the Council decision. Minister McConnell said he welcomed this agreement, which would ensure, he said, the protection of exports to China of two of Ireland's spirit drinks geographical indications, namely Irish cream and Irish whisky, for which his department is the competent authority. Marcus diversification and adding value to our high-quality foods is a key initiative in his department for this government and the government and his department would continue to explore all avenues in an attempt to deliver the highest returns for our producers. And Minister Hayden said the combined export value of Irish whisky and Irish cream to China rose from 1.47 million euro in the year 2018 to 4.36 million euro in 2019. Minister Hayden said this market is becoming increasingly important for Irish spirit drinks and he welcomed the legal protection the agreement would now afford to authentic Irish products. John O'Connor for Farm Talk. Now, thanks to John for co-producing and contributing to the Farm Talk programme again this week 
I'm Barry O'Mahony. Thank you for listening. Farm Talk with Dairy Gold Heifer Rearer Cube, a trusted partner to help your replacement heifers reach their target weights and meet their full potential. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.